If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee, Arno, and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die, that he might give eternal life. That I might live and turn my darkness. We are studying in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Just wanted to see if y'all remembered. The book of Acts. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. When the Apostle Paul trusted the Lord, some people say that, um, well, the Apostle Paul was um, the bringing in of the church, that he established the church and started the church. And it's called hyper-dispensationalism, which means that the church did not begin on the day of Pentecost. It started when the Apostle Paul shows up and God showed him all these things. So many try to say that Paul did not... Uh, Baptized because the command to baptize was both given to the disciples after Christ's resurrection. And so this was a new time, a new thing, a new dispensation, and so therefore he wasn't going to do this. I do believe that they miss out on some of the most important teachings in the Bible. When you don't start the church, when the church started, it started on the day of Pentecost. Because you take the Great Commission, the Great Commission, the Great Command, the great compassion, that wonderful chapter there in Matthew 28, when it says to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to do that. And then teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that you wouldn't do. You've eliminated the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel because that, well, that wasn't given to the church. But they weren't supposed to start doing that until the day of Pentecost because Luke chapter 24 says, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So yes, they were commanded to go and they were commanded to wait until the right time. Otherwise, who was the command given to for how long? It was given just to the disciples or the apostles. Well, they didn't leave. Some of the disciples, like Peter, they were still in Jerusalem. They were still there. Uh, Peter was still there in uh, Joppa, uh, way on down the road. So evidently, he disobeyed that command. But I don't believe that's what it's referring to. You'll notice that 
It says in the book of Acts in chapter 9. Then it says in verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee. Well, why? Well, because, see, something happened to Paul. He was the one that was causing the problem and the havoc to the churches. Uh, how can the churches existed if they didn't start until Paul? How could he be persecuting the churches? But he did. So it, therefore, there must be a error in somebody's theology. So yes, the church did start on the day of Pentecost. Things were moving right along. Problems were existing. Persecution was great. Many people suffering consequences. And then along comes the Apostle Paul. Some people say, well, you're not supposed to be baptized if you're in the church age. So they don't do baptism. And they say, well, that's because Paul made the statement. He says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So therefore, that means the whole church is not supposed to baptize. That's also a great error. The key is here in the book of uh, Acts in chapter 9. Look what he says in verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and he arose and was baptized. Why would he get baptized? He was baptized. And you'll find out there's many of these other things that we'll get into more tonight. That we'll be discussing some of these things about when did the church begin? When did it really begin? So um, covering these things and also things along the lines of uh, the, you know, the dispensations that God had given to him. But I want you to look, first of all, in a scripture with me. Look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. Ephesians in chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and you'll notice as a little bit of a, a brief review some of the things that we are privileged to know that some people in other ages did not know. They did not know about the church age, the time from the Pentecost to the rapture. And so he says here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me toward you. So yes, he was given this, the stewardship of the mystery of the grace of God, revealing things that were going on in the church, formation of the church, the body, and all these things, all the details. So God had given them these things to him. But Paul was not the only one who knew these things. See, he learned these things straight from the Lord, not from the other apostles. And if you look there, the chapter right before this, in chapter 2, where it says in verse 19, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So he's already addressing people that are built upon the foundation of the foundation that was laid, which is Christ. And you'll notice that it says the apostles and prophets. So they also were winning people to Christ, establishing, I believe, churches before Paul ever came along. 
Because how was he persecuting the churches if there were no churches? I think there's a problem there. So yes, he was given special treatment as far as from the Lord into revelation. But he also has several places where he talks about it being a mystery. And the mystery was where it was revealed for the first time. Though the foundation can be laid, things being done, but not knowing what it's going to do. Now go back there to Ephesians in chapter 3, and look what he says in verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, wherefore when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed, as it is now revealed. See, it, in you, when you read the Old Testament, you don't find the church in the Old Testament. You might find some types talking about it, like many people think that uh, maybe Enoch was a type of the church, which it can be. And he was raptured out, and he didn't see death. Okay, well that's fine. Or Elijah, caught up into a, uh, about a fiery chariot. But understanding the Jews and the Gentiles being brought together into one body, now that truth had never been revealed before. And now it has been revealed. And he's talking about this body. See there in verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Is now revealed by his holy apostles and prophets. Revealed unto his holy apostles. It's now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. But Paul didn't get it from them. So how did he know about it? Well God told him. Because you see he didn't get his knowledge. The gospel or the uh, teachings of the dispensation of grace from the other apostles. But you can't deny that the Bible says that the apostles and prophets, it was revealed unto them also. So they also knew this. And what was it? In verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And this is why he was a, made a minister of these things. Now, look there very quickly in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, and you'll notice there in chapter 1, where he makes the statement here about the, the body of Christ and so forth. You'll notice he also makes a statement in verse 20, And having made peace between the, uh, through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto him, so by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienating enemies in your mind by wicked works, and yet now hath he reconciled. In verse 22, in the body of his flesh. And he talks about in his body, it's whenever you and I trust Christ as Savior, we're baptized into the body of Christ. He goes down and says a few more, but notice what he says in verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ, in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the what? Which is the church. So the church had already begun before Paul came along. So that Paul did not establish the church. He helped establish churches in the sense of their teachings, but the church had already existed. There was things that Paul did in appointing elders and so forth for the church. But in verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hit from ages, from generations, now is made manifest to his saints. 
And then what is that? Well, the last part of verse 27 is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ inside of you. See, nobody ever had this before. It wasn't done in the Old Testament, but it is now. You'll go back to the book of Nah, Acts chapter 9. So here in Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul has a lot of things to learn. One one thing that he learned was that not everybody was for him. Uh, They didn't automatically trust him. And so he says here that he mightily preached Christ. So the apostle Paul, remember, did not have the New Testament to work with. He had the Old Testament. And he had to really know the scriptures pretty good. But he also had special revelation from the Lord himself. And no doubt quickened his mind in such a way that all those years of studying the law, uh, they probably came into play. And he knew a lot, remembered a lot. And because of that, I believe with the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was able to use these scriptures in such a way that he was able to confound many people. And especially those that were even Jewish people because they didn't like him. They hated him. And the Gentiles didn't trust him because they heard what he had done. So in verse 20 he says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. So that means he was trying to reach the the Jewish people. That he is the Son of God. Now remember we mentioned before, here we're talking about, he's talking about the Son of God. Earlier Peter was talking about Christ the Messiah. So one is that, uh, you know, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. Well, Paul is talking about that Messiah is deity. He's the son of God. And not just a man, not just a Messiah. He is God who came. So he's talking about the deity of Christ. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest. See, they knew. They understood. They remembered. And now here's the the man that had done all this damage. But remember, the Lord had told Paul, I'm going to show him as he talked to Ananias. He says, I'm going to show him how what great things he must suffer for my name. And he's talking about among a lot of big people. He said, before kings and the children of Israel... And how much he's going to suffer for his name. That's mentioned in verse 15 16. But anyway, look at verse 22. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus. Proving that this is very Christ. Proving that the Son of God was Christ, the Messiah. So there's two things that he's working on here. Not just the Messiah, but he's also, he is deity. He is the Son of God. He is God himself. In verse 23, and after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Now, you'll see some of these many days explained a little bit more over there in the book of Galatians in chapter 1 and around verse 17. But notice what he says, but in verse 24, there's laying a weight was known. Excuse me, verse 23. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying a weight was known of Saul. And they watched the gates there day and night to kill him. Now, how would you like somebody doing that to you? Remember, he was doing it to others. Now it's uh, coming back home to roost. But the Lord watched over and protected him. In verse 25, now you're talking about having a, being a basket case. 
He must have been of the first ones of the deplorables that were put into the basket. I've heard that somewhere before. I'm not sure where I heard that. But he says here, verse 25, Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. First basket case. There you got it. Now, Barnabas was a one who was a great encourager. And evidently used by the Lord to see uh, great potential in Paul and came alongside and brought him great comfort and introduced him around to the big boys and all that, you know. So he says in verse 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he said to join himself to the disciples. Hey, I want to be a, a member of this club. But they uh, didn't really trust him too much. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Now remember, some time is moving on, and some of these fellows are still there in Jerusalem. They haven't left Israel to go out in all the world and preach the gospel of the whole world. But great persecution had come. But just look there very quickly in Acts chapter 8 again. You'll notice that um, when Stephen had been stoned, he was, says that clothes were laid at a young man's feet named Saul, which is in verse uh, 58 there in uh, chapter 7. But notice when verse 1 of chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. That means he gave his approval. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church. So wouldn't that prove to you that the church must have already existed? That Paul could not have founded the church. He couldn't start the church. Because he was persecuting the church that already existed. And so he says here, And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And look at the next three words. Except the apostles. Except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So if it wasn't the apostles that were scattered everywhere preaching the word, then who in the world was it? I wonder who it was. Who could it have been? Well... There's a good possibility that a lot of God's people went a lot of places. And afterwards, yes, the disciples and the apostles, they all went out and they spread it around. But God had to establish, first of all, the church there in Jerusalem, which was, we believe, pastored by James. So many things happened. There was a time when Saul was probably on the backside of a, the desert in Arabia, and the Lord talked to him and teaching a lot of things. And, but when he hit the scene, but he hit the scenes, and he was ready to go. A lot of things to accomplish. But the Jews did not want him doing what he was doing. So they wanted to kill him. And then the uh, Gentiles, well, they didn't really trust him. And uh, it wasn't for Barnabas come alongside and uh, kind of introduced him around and convinced him. Look, I was there in Damascus. I saw it. And I watched him preach. And he was doing it with boldness and accuracy and so forth. And so um, probably letting him know, hey, look, the Jews are trying to kill him now. Now go back there to verse 30. Verse 30 in the book of Acts chapter 9. 
which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Now, that's where he was from, was Tarsus. But he had gone in Jerusalem, and he was set in the field of Gamaliel, so he was a very well-trained individual. So he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Jew, tribe of Benjamin. And uh, he said, I was high up in the Jews' religion. And above many, he says, of my own equal. So he was a very highly educated man. But now, just so that you kind of get an idea, a little bit about the apostle Paul, before he became Paul, hold your place right here and look in Philippians in chapter 3. Philippians in chapter 3, page 1259 in a church Bible. And you'll notice that he uh, tries to convince people not to put any confidence in the flesh. Not in the intellect, the skills, the abilities, and uh, the accomplishments, the whatever you've done in the flesh, he says, because if you do, he says, what about me? Look who I am and look what I've done. If you think that's something. So he makes a statement there in the last part of verse 3. He says in verse 3, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have, and here's those words, you ought to underline it, no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. I mean, if anybody's got a, you ever heard somebody say, if anybody makes to heaven, uh, dear old Aunt Susie will. I mean, if you're going to have confidence in the flesh, boy, she made it. But this is what Paul is saying. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day. Boy, look who I am. Of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the what? And this was before he was saved. So when people say that the church was started by Paul, they got to be something missing somewhere in their theology. But there are some people believe that, well, this was a different church. And when Paul showed up, he started another church that was separate from that church. I don't find that in the scriptures. And so he says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Then he says in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, all these pluses about who he was and what he'd accomplished, he says, I counted loss for Christ, a negative. Yea, doubtless, and I have counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. In other words, in spite of everything that he had, everything that he's done, he counts all that as loss. That he said, the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ is worth more than all that other stuff that I have done or whoever I'm supposed to be, what I've accomplished. He said, it's nothing. It's like manure compared to the, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And then notice what he said. In verse 7, excuse me, in verse uh, 9, which is what we usually use for a great salvation verse. And it is a good salvation verse. But I believe it goes a little bit deeper than that. But for right now, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, which is where he was and what he had done. And he put his confidence in that, in his own righteousness. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, which I believe is an explanation of verse 8. What is he talking about? So he had trusted in his own righteousness, and he realized, and be found not in 
having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So, go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 9. So as he goes through and kind of getting a little history of his, his background, in verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were multiplied. So all these things were good. And uh, there's other people that, of course, wanted to slay him. But a man in the will of God, doing what God wants, just might be invincible until God is through with him. You'd be surprised when you get to heaven to find out how many times the devil tried to take your life and God spared you. I mean, I, I know of some that I could have gone home just so easily. But all of a sudden, I come to the conclusion, the Lord has sure been good to me. I could have been dead a long time ago. But now look there in the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now we're talking about another apostle. This is one called the Apostle Peter. I don't believe that, as far as we know, Peter never went to Rome. I don't believe he was the first pope. Uh, Peter was a married man. Uh, Peter um, had a mother-in-law. And who in the world wants to have a mother-in-law without having a wife? And so I believe he must have had uh, a wife. And um, his mother-in-law got sick. <laughs> Why would you want the Lord to heal? No, I'm going to stay away from that. In verse 32. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters and he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Now this is about 10 or 12 miles south of um, a place called Joppa. And uh, it's called a city of uh, Jupiter. But in verse 33 he says, And there he found a certain man named Anas, he says, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. So Peter said unto him, Jesus Christ made thee whole. Rise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Now, wouldn't you love to walk around and been able to do that? Just tell somebody, rise. Like when Peter and John, they went into the, toward the temple and they're sitting at the gate, this man, and alms, alms for the poor. Silver and gold have a whole bunch over here in Rome. You ever wondered how rich... Rome is with the Roman Catholic Church. And they're always talking about the poor and they are sitting on all this wealth. But anyway, can you see Peter living like that? Jesus didn't even live like that when he was here. He says that he left glory. Though he was rich, he became poor that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Well, I don't think that's uh, the Pope. And they said that he's not getting too good of a reception up there in Georgia. Well, that's maybe a pretty conservative state up there, and they don't believe all that stuff. But anyway, which is what's going on now. But he makes a statement here. Arise, make thy bed. Why would you have to make your bed? That's the last thing in the world I'd want to do. But back in those days, they could just roll them up and take them around with them, and then lay it down and, you know, go to lay down. But that's what he, he had a problem. He had palsy sick and he says in verse 35 and all and you ought to underline that word all that dwelt at Lydda 
and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now that phrase, turn to the Lord, is a phrase that's used for, I believe, salvation, to turn to the Lord. Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that down here in verse 42, after another great miracle, it says there in verse 42, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So believing in the Lord, turning to the Lord is exactly, I believe, the same thing, like telling somebody, would you accept Christ as your Savior, or would you believe on the Lord? It means the same thing. Would take my place. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.